This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Maybe you're having trouble sleeping, difficulty with the relationship, or just suffering from low self-esteem. If so, then BetterHelp wants to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and to help you. You get to talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network, and they give you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Join the 2 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And there's a special offer to Nowhere to Be Found listeners. You'll get 10% off of your first month, but only if you go through the link or type in betterhelp.com slash ntbf for Nowhere to Be Found. That's better betterhelp.com slash ntbf. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. And you can find the link in our show notes and on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast.com. I'm your host, Amanda Papineau, and this is Nowhere to Be Found. Last week's episode certainly got people's attention. It felt like it was time for me to start deciphering speculation from fact in regard to Shane's timeline on the day he went missing. Because there are three different storylines, Crystal's, Justin's, and Ray's, it has to be broken down by person. Since Crystal's story is that she never saw Shane after he left for work sometime around 7.15 that morning, there isn't much to go on there. Despite the fact that the other two people, Justin and Ray, both say that that's not true, and Crystal and Shane were together in the trailer when Ray arrived, I'm just not sure how to dive into nothing, and that's frustrating. But we'll come back to that. I've been continuing my text conversations with Justin. He's still very hesitant to talk to me about Shane, but I think I can feel him beginning to trust me. So far, Justin has the most thorough timeline of the group, Unfortunately for him, that means that he has the most information to analyze and pick apart. I have felt from the get-go that for Justin to fabricate such a specific and confirmable timeline seemed odd to me. So I decided to try and pick apart his timeline the best I could and prove or disprove his story. When Shane leaves after picking up the envelope from Ray around 10 a.m., Justin says he returns to his trailer A couple hours later, he leaves to go pick up a washer and dryer in Eugene and bring them back to install for a guy named Mike. That seemed like a good place to start. Luckily, Megan and Mike happened to be good friends, and she was able to get me in contact with him. He was hesitant, but eventually agreed to do an interview with me. I commend people who are willing to stir the pot for the sake of finding the truth. Not everyone has the guts to do it, and it can lead to some backlash. But the devotion to doing the right thing in order to help bring Shane home earns my respect and gratitude. Also, a quick note before you hear the interview, the cell service in Blue River is absolutely terrible, so the quality of this interview could be better, and I apologize, but I'm working with what I have. My name is Michael, and 
lived on the Mackenzie Highway, uh, across the street from Shane and Crystal and Justin's house pre-fire. Mm, okay. And, uh, yeah. So kind of got to be friends that way. And you guys, you and Shane are kind of in a similar business. You run a business, right? An excavating business? Yeah, he's he's uh, builds houses. I do con- uh, excavation. I moved gravel for him and done grading projects with him. We were actually, before he we went missing, we were collaborating on some timber sales and milling up some of the timber from his property. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's huge right now. Yep. Price of wood is insanely expensive. So, okay, so you guys kind of have some general um, things in common, and that town is just so small. It's really, I think people don't really get how small it is, <laughs> but you really can't not know somebody, or at least know of them in Mackenzie Bridge, right? Yeah, yeah, small community. Yeah, like one one convenience store, no stoplights type of small. So, yes, definitely uh, easy to get to know your neighbors. Yeah, and they weren't real. They weren't real. They were pretty private and kept to themselves. Uh, I never saw them out eating or dining or drinking in public. Uh, they 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 kept to themselves. They were okay. private. Okay. So, how did you first hear um, about Shane going missing? Who told you? Justin, the day he was texting, or that his son was texting from the forest that he had lost his keys. Mm-hmm. Uh. Justin told me that very day. Okay. And then Justin actually ended up, I mean, I've kind of gone through the timeline as best as I can with the family as they've pieced it together. And the the story I got was that Justin actually ended up going over to your house later that day to do some work for you. Is that right? The day that Shane went missing? Yeah, he actually drove to town uh, to pick up a washer and dryer for me from Home Depot. Mm-hmm. And then brought it back up that afternoon, that early evening, and we installed it and did laundry and drank beer. And Perfect. Yeah. Was exciting. I and bet. He was, uh, he was under the assumption that Shane would come home when he wanted to come home because he was texting, trying to find out, you know, where you at, I'll come get you. Right. And just too vague, he wasn't able to locate him. And he kind of felt, I think Shane had, had disappeared in the past. Uh, they found him. He said in the in the pump house a couple days later. Okay, okay, yeah, and I think when somebody first goes missing, that's sort of everybody's idea. It's like, well, I mean, they're not missing; they just aren't answering their phone or whatever. You know, he just wants to be left alone for a little bit. He'll he'll turn up, and then you know, time goes by, and people are like, "Oh, wait a minute, maybe not." So yeah, that makes sense. And then the next day, uh, did you guys do? Were you part of any of the searches for Shane? Uh, I did not. Uh, the police were involved at first, uh-huh. and uh, I let a few people know that would be able to volunteer to help, and they were asking for volunteers, but they shortly, after they had started the search, they stopped it because of the danger of the terrain where he was, where he had went was in the burned area, lots of hazard trees. The hardwood trees burned the roots down into the ground, and there's some eight-foot deep holes it used to be a tree root ball that if you stepped in, you'd never be seen again. Really? So, I've not heard yeah. that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And they called off, they called off the search between the factor of the danger to the 
rest the searchers and and civilians volunteering. Mm-hmm. The hazard was too great, and I believe within three three four days tops, they had they had turned from searching for him once they got his phone records and saw where his phone had went. They they stopped looking and started asking questions and asking for people's cell phones. Wow, wow! I had not heard that. That's too bad. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so it's them to be in the area and the risk of looking in the area was not worth the risk reward. Gotcha. At first, they were willing to search that area that was just as dangerous when they started, but between what they learned and what they observed up there and the the dogs not picking up anything, not cadaver dogs or tracking dogs. Like, yeah, and that's so bizarre, like, that his truck would be up there, but they would pick up no scent of his. That's so bizarre. They did around the, I believe they did around the truck, but nothing going up into the forest. I believe they said they saw a little remnant of a fire pit, fresh fire that had been made not far from his truck. Hmm. So he was just kind of hanging out out there for whatever reason, and then we don't know where he went from there, obviously, if he got picked up or if he just decided to walk around and got lost. But it's, he would have, all he would have had to do is walk downhill and he would have hit the McKenzie Highway. He's way familiar enough with the terrain to do that. That's why Justin assumed he wasn't ready to come home yet. Right. Well, and the other part that always kind of struck me, um, something that was kind of odd, was uh, Justin and Crystal, and I think it was Ray as well, ended up finding his truck, uh, was it Thursday? And... When they first found it, Justin said that he left a map in the truck for Shane um, that had like a note with it or something that said something along the lines of, we're looking for you. Here's a map. Um, That always kind of confused me a little bit because like you said, Shane was actually super, super familiar with that area, right? It's like pretty close to his house and... Right, and maybe... Justin just thought whatever state of mind he was in, or maybe he was disoriented and wasn't sure where he was. But right, yeah, that was like something. Point, point him home if you want to come home. It's that way. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I didn't know about the him leaving in the map. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, it kind of just leads to you can you can lead a horse to water, but if he doesn't want to come home, you know, maybe that was Justin's or way of just being like, yeah, here's your lifeline if you really want to come home and you're having trouble. So I'm sure that's what it was. So, yeah, it's been kind of a mess since then. Um, what What's the word around town? Like, what, as the locals, I'm sure everybody's talking about this. Like, what What do you feel like people are saying may have happened? Or what? what's the general consensus? Oh, foul play, but that's a lot of conjecture. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like to speculate. You know, we don't have any proof that anybody did anything wrong or that there is any foul play. but. It is always interesting to at least get the opinions of the locals because whether they have proof or not, that means there's, you know, people are talking about stuff and it might be something to look into. Which I'm sure the police have been. I think they just hit the roadblocks with his wife and with uh, Iverson, whoever that was. Her yeah, boyfriend. Eric. Yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, you know, people get lawyers and people... It seems to me that not a lot of people have been questioned in a serious way, which is a little perplexing, but I just have to kind of hope that it's that the police are doing that behind closed doors and we just don't know about it. That's my hope. That's my hope, too. I know. I believe I believe Justin volunteered to take a lie detector test. 
I know he did. I don't know if he actually ended up taking it, but I remember hearing along the line that he volunteered to take it. Whether they took him up on it, I'm not sure. But that's that's what everyone should be doing, right? If you don't know anything, just say, I don't know anything and be willing to cooperate. And I think people would have a lot less struggle with that. It's when you resist and you don't have anything to hide, but you won't talk to anybody. And that's when people are like, hmm, that's weird. And that's... I think that's the challenge the police and the family are running up against because uh, uh, with the possibility of methamphetamine being involved, be it the wife, right. Shane himself, or any of the people that had contact with him near the time he disappeared, mm-hmm. the methamphetamine is going to probably make him le- a lot less likely to tell the truth or to say anything. Right. Uh, or And that's kind of the... The question you have to end up asking yourself is, are these people who are behaving in this way paranoid because they did something wrong to Shane? Or is it just that they have some drug involvement that they're trying to not publicize and that's making them, for whatever reason, you know, they don't either want to talk to the police or other people and they're withdrawing, which makes perfect sense to me. I'm not after anybody who's doing drugs. I care less at this point. I just kind of, you know... We just had to approach it like not on drugs would understand. What's that? That is a thing that somebody that's not on drugs would understand. Yeah. Right. So it's hard because logic kind of goes out the window sometimes. And it's like you can think, oh, well, that's not a logical way of thinking about that. But if they're under the influence, logic might be out the door. (laughs) So we can't really rely on that. Yep, And that's what I think is is hampered the police's investigation and added to the misery of the family. Mm-hmm. And I kind of talked about um, you were helping Shane clear out his old property that burned down, right? You kind of helped him do some excavation because he was going to break ground on building a new place. He was building a new place downriver. He, they, were, they were leery of rebuilding at the old location because the hillside had burned behind it. And there were huge boulders and unstable trees. Oh. And they had bought a property downriver, and that house had burnt, but the trees were still there, so they were living in their fifth wheel. And uh, we cleared up the mess there, the the foundation, foundation, and it started bringing gravel in because he was planning on breaking ground, starting to mill up some of his trees, and had a plan for building a home. Yeah, and that just also kind of tells me, like, he wasn't really trying to go anywhere. You know, he wasn't just ditching out. He had all these plans. He had stuff to do, people to see, and ideas that he was, you know, seeing through, which just points me away from he just took off on his own for whatever reason. Right. But I don't know. For all I know, the marriage relationship had got to the point just like, fuck it all. Who knows? Yeah, very true. And everybody has a breaking point. Something that Megan mentioned was that if that was the case, she would guess that he would have taken the dog, Greta. So that was kind of interesting. A common, that's a common thought. That's what that's what Justin believes also. And he and the dog were close. And uh, but I guess if I was going to wander off in the forest to do myself in, I'd probably leave my dog somewhere where somebody would feed it. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and there's been some weird activity kind of over on his old property. Like, people are burning things. You know, there's there's rumors the trailer was burnt previously that was dragged out onto the street. I kind of talked to Megan about that a little bit. Were you there for that? I was not. You weren't there. Uh, Brent called me and told me, and they said it was an old guy on a John Deere tractor, which 
Ray Ray's an old guy and mm-hmm. has access to a, a John Deere tractor and had a deep removed change toolbox a week or so before the trailer went missing. And when I asked Ray Ray about it, he mentioned that that was his toolbox and his stuff that Shane had been holding on to for before the fire. He was just picking it up and taking it home. But hmm. uh, I believe he said he knew nothing about the trailer, but it's interesting. I don't believe a lot that he says. So Yeah, I have a hard time with that, too. I mean, I haven't been able to talk to him in person, but just kind of gathering things here and there. There's some there's some odd odd parts of the story, but you know, you know, we'll leave it for now, see what happens. Um so with the property being burned and then being activity there, there's also rumor that Crystal, Shane's wife, and this guy Eric are trying to buy Shane's old property. Have you heard anything about that? I have not. I was under the assumption that when Shane died, the properties belonged to her. See, and I don't know, since he hasn't been proven, like, since they don't know for sure that he died. I mean, everybody kind of suspects that, but there's no body. That's their typical. So, right. Right. To liquidate the estate or the properties. That's what I'm not sure. Like, if somebody's missing, is it still... uh, Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that works with the law. Um, research to do. There's yeah. A, there's homework for Amanda. I mean, it would just be, I'm just curious, you know, what ends up happening to all that property because, again, not speculating, but if we were trying to build a case for motive on certain people, property inheritance is a factor. <laughs> I mean, we can't say it's not, right? Money talks. So if you were yeah. going to inherit a valuable piece of property should Shane or two two, should Shane disappear um I'd want to know about it never be worth more to anyone dead than you are alive you want it to be a crying shame you want them to jump start you give you mouth to mouth and keep you out there working yep agreed (laughs) yeah because that's a scary thing if somebody if yeah if you if you have more value to someone dead that is a scary position to be in there seems to be something in all of us that knows you shouldn't murder somebody, not because it's, or maybe because it was written down and taught to us, or maybe because inside we know. Absolutely. Yeah, they say it breaks the soul. Right. So, yes, I hope, you know, that it, it, it makes me really sad to think that that could have happened by somebody that Shane trusted, you know, that he would easily turn their back on them and not suspect that they would do anything. That's, that's sad for me. Like, I just can't really imagine that. The people that are closest in your life are the most dangerous to you. Yeah, the psychology of betrayal, uh, like in that situation, uh, and that betrayal very well could have happened before he went missing. The betrayal of my wife is with this other guy. Mm-hmm. Now she wants to come home. She comes home and now that guy comes to live with us. Yeah. It destroys everything you've ever known and believed and and of what your past was, what now is, or what in the hell the future is going to be. It's uh, it's uh, I've been listening to a clinical psychologist talk about that and betrayal. And yeah. That's a very, very, very hard thing to ever recover from. And if he was in the midst of that kind of psychological deal and throw in some party favors from. Mm hmm. From Ray Ray, uh, there's no telling. 
Yeah, I totally think it could be a mix of that. And, you know, we've kind of pieced together from several different people. So Crystal and Shane's relationship is everybody knows it wasn't good. Um, She admits that. So it's just how far was it? And the fact that Eric was there sleeping on their floor um, when Shane came home that day, like you said, it's just kind of a recipe for a lot of different problems that could have popped up. Again, not acute, not accusing anybody. For some time, he didn't get there that day. Right, he'd been parked out at their place for some time, and yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a bit much for me to bear. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that there wasn't some hmm, conflict before that, and maybe there was, but um, yeah, that that's hard for anybody to imagine. I certainly can't, and it's it's just bizarre. So, um. Yeah, and behavior since then from those same people that we're talking about is very iffy, we'll say. So we'll see what happens. I have faith that, you know, the process just takes longer than we would like, um, but that there is a process in place that law enforcement is working on this and they do care. That's my optimistic outlook on all of this. Um, I am curious and I have put out some feelers i would i think that it would be beneficial to bring the cadaver dogs over to shane's old property um, they were there they were yeah oh i see i'd not we heard that from where his truck was through the forest all the way to his ha- old property i don't know if they were following a cell phone uh, hmm. trail a ping that they finally got access to or if they were following a hunch but they came down from above the hill. The neighbor, he told me the searchers and the cadaver dogs had all come through. That's interesting. Okay. Well, that's something I didn't know because I had that on my list of like, how do we get permission to go on? It's that same thing. Like, does the property belong to Crystal if Shane is not pronounced dead? Because I don't think that she would give us permission to check it. Um, but I wasn't sure if we had to ask her permission to check it. But it's already been checked. It is literally right on the highway. Uh, it's uh, not a very deep property. It goes back maybe 100, 120 feet off the highway, and then goes straight up the hillside. Hmm. So it's not it's a very, uh, it's not it's a very burned. accessible, like it's it's not a good walking around type of property. It's very hilly. Only where the house was down below. The rest of the property goes up a steep mountainside with boulders. It all burnt. It's unstable ground. Hmm. So that would probably be pretty hard to hide anything up on that type of terrain. You're not going to be carrying somebody up the hillside or up these boulders. Right. It wouldn't be prudent. And they did go through there with dogs. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I mean, that... um... I think they just the fact that how soon they got no trails and it was raining hard. It was cold. It was raining hard. But a cadaver dog obviously wouldn't care mm-hmm. how long we had been dead. They would know. Mm-hmm. And a tracking dog, I just, I don't think they picked up anything leaving the immediate area as my guess and uh, mm-hmm. turned more to an investigation than a search and rescue. Right. And that's maddening. All right. Well, um, I think that that is. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't really know what to think about that. I don't know how he could just disappear with no trace anywhere unless he got picked up from a car. And that's why there's no scent except for next to his truck. You know, he jumped in someone else's car and they drove off. Now there's no scent. Yeah. 
That's the only thing I can think. Or so. found a hole. Or found a hole. In a hole, you would think the cadavers would have some luck. Right. Yeah. So my my I lean towards he's not up there. Um, that I believe what the police were leaning towards also. Yeah. Well, geez, it's just such a mess. Can't think of anything else. I feel like we kind of covered all the stuff we talked about. Is there anything you wanted to mention or have thought was interesting yeah. in all this? Just my hopes and prayers for the family that they get some resolution. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, the uh, the consequences that's between them and God and whatever degree our legal system gets involved. But just uh, yeah, it'd be nice to get some closure for the family. Yes, I've been in contact with couple of the sisters the mom briefly but mostly one of the sisters and it's just i feel like it's the unknown and i've had this in families before you know it's off it's awful to lose a family member a brother or son um in like a car accident let's say but you know what happened and you can kind of close the door and move forward but they're just in this purgatory that won't end word. <laughs> and word. yeah I, I really feel for him because i can't imagine like how do you sleep at night? I'm sure you just stay awake all night thinking about all the things that you could have missed or what if this and what if this. So, yes, right. my prayer is absolutely closure. And I feel that Shane is, is gone, that he's not no longer with us. Um, I can't prove that. But I hope that I, I just... Against all odds and likelihood and rationale. Yeah. And I think closure at this point would be a mercy. So it's weird to pray for that, but that's where I'm at, basically. Me too. So, well, thank you so much for chatting with me. I know, you know, information is scarce. About people to put yourself through this. Yeah. You know, I think that if nothing else, at least we can just talk about it. And he's not just forgotten and swept under the rug. And that's, that's something at least. Another enlightening interview for me, and a great opportunity for me to get to know Shane and his group a little better. At this point, I wanted to speak with someone who had some knowledge on the areas that had been searched. I reached back out to Misty, Shane's sister, who over time had become my right-hand man for all things Shane. She told me that a man named Rocky, who used to employ Shane and Justin, was trained in search and rescue and helped lead a private group search the week after Shane went missing. She gave me his number, and I made yet another call. We've been asked how our listeners can contribute to the show, so we set up an account with Patreon. Check out the link in our show notes if you're interested in supporting our cause. You can also find it on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast.com.